Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off In-Depth Conversations in Applied Geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Stephen J. Hill on his new book, Illustrated Seismic Processing, Volume 2, Pre-Imaging. Along with Steve's co-author, Andreas Ruger, this second volume of Illustrated Seismic Processing provides a foundation for understanding the vigorous, relevant, and fascinating field of seismic processing, addressing that portion that precedes migration. In this engaging interview, Steve shares why they decided to present the seismic processing topics in reverse order, tips for seismic interpreters and acquisition specialists that work alongside seismic processing geophysicists, and why seismic processing is both an art and a science. And also discover Steve's journey from an astrophysicist to writing two books on seismic processing. This episode is sponsored by TGS. TGS offers a wide range of energy data and insights to meet the industry where it's at and where it's headed. TGS provides scientific data and intelligence to companies active in the energy sector. In addition to a global, extensive, and diverse energy data library, TGS offers specialized services such as advanced processing and analytics alongside cloud-based data applications and solutions. For the full show notes and the links to buy both volumes one and two, visit seg.org forward slash podcast. Now for our conversation. So you, Steve, along with your co-author, Andreas Ruger, recently published Illustrated Seismic Processing Volume 2, Free Imaging. And curiously, Volume 1, called Imaging, addresses the processing steps after Volume 2. Why did you and, and Andreas decide to present the seismic processing topics in reverse order of a typical processing sequence? This has some deep history. I first taught seismic processing as a Conoco employee in about 1981. And I taught it the way that a processor would, because that's what I was, starting off with acquisition and ending with migration slash imaging. And I noticed, since I was teaching both geologists and geophysicists, a lot of them were awfully bored during the pure acquisition part. And so all of a sudden it hit me that I should not be teaching this in the order as a processor actually does the processing. But I needed to flip it, starting with the imaging. Now, one of the watchwords that was popular at that time was start with the end in mind. And, of course, the end being interpretation and just before that being imaging. And that may have been part of what was in my mind at that time. Also, flipping had the advantage that if you're talking about imaging, geologists, geophysicists, interpreters are very interested in that because you can easily demonstrate the influence of processing such as by changing the velocities on the final image that they would see. And also, we're looking at something that they would be interpreting. The challenge for me, and in general, a challenge in teaching seismic processing, is that you want the recipients to know everything at once, because it's a deeply intertwined subject. So the challenge for me was to figure out how to do it backwards and still have it make sense with all the prerequisites being made. Now, another advantage of teaching it backwards is people quite often ask me, how come there are so doggone many processing steps? And by teaching it backwards, it then becomes very clear 
that each one of the processing steps has input requirements, which are then satisfied by previous processing steps. I'll give you a concrete example. Seismic migration imaging in general assumes that there are no multiples in the data. So therefore, prior to imaging, one needs to attack the multiple, somehow attenuate the multiples. So that's one example of an input requirement that imaging has that has to be satisfied by a prior processing step. I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people beginning with the end in mind will will resonate with, with the viewers. And, you know, kind of leading into that, you know, you say in, in the book that the seismic processing operations are a series of solutions to problems. What, what do you mean by that? Let's go back to this example of the multiples. From imaging algorithms viewpoint, a multiple in the data or multiples in the data are problems in the data. So therefore, multiple attenuation is one of the solutions in trying to attenuate the multiples. We're really big on on multidisciplinary work here uh, at SEG and looking at how to, to work across disciplines. What are a couple of things that seismic interpreters and acquisition specialists should know when working alongside seismic processing geophysicists? Seismic migration, in fact, demands a certain acquisition geometry. That's one of the advantages, in fact, of teaching the subject backwards is that once a person has an understanding of what seismic migration imaging is about, then much of the geometry that's required is automatically understood on that basis. So it's nice then for the acquisition people to understand the constraints that the processor is under imaging, for example, or even the, the prior processing steps. Now, for the interpreter, it's important for the interpreter, I think, to have an appreciation that the final seismic processed output, quite often now given as a volume, is not the Earth itself, but is only a representation of the subsurface. And through processing, we are not altogether successful in removing all of the pitfalls that may exist in that data. So through understanding seismic processing, I think that seismic interpreters then end up with a better understanding of what possible pitfalls may be in the data. So going back to multiples, it may very well be that that very strong reflector that is in the data, in fact, is not a primary reflection, but as a result of the uh, acoustic waves bouncing between the surface and subsurface reflectors, many of them, before coming back to the surface. You know, the first part of these books are illustrated uh, as the first word of the book titles. You know, why did you view it essential to include numerous visual illustrations throughout both volumes to understand seismic processing? Two reasons. First is I am very visually oriented, so I understand things on a visual basis. And then by doing that, it allows me to avoid a lot of very sophisticated mathematics that underlies seismic processing. Secondly, the majority of people who are attracted to geology and geophysics themselves are very visually oriented. So we wanted to present seismic processing in something that was in the language of the uh, possible readers. 
That that makes a lot of sense there. And and you know what what might a novice seismic processing geophysicist miss about the limitations and potential pitfalls of seismic data? That's a good question. Seismic processing is an art. And as a Conoco employee in the seismic processing organization, we considered two years of experience to be about the minimum of what a seismic processing geophysicist needed to really work on this in a semi-independent fashion. It's very much a visual art. A person very much like a uh, physician may, in fact, in approaching a given ailment, try a certain prescription or a certain approach and then see whether or not that is effective. Well, likewise with the processing geophysicist. Processing geophysicist may try a certain approach and then after that, look at the data. Seismic process, of course, is a very data-driven subject, and that was one of the appeals to me of being a processing geophysicist. So you mentioned there that seismic processing is a bit of an art, and and you've got these two volumes uh, in this book here. You know, it, it was influenced, and you you mentioned osseal mass seismic data analysis kind of being the the standard for for many years at this point. You know, for someone trying to learn seismic processing, you know, how do they kind of mix the the art of seismic processing with clearly the science as well? How do they kind of navigate those two two areas? Only through experience. You remind me of a very important point. Oz Yomez's texts on seismic processing are sort of the mother load of seismic processing. And our text is not designed to replace it, but in fact, to augment it. Through our text, we make very explicit references to specific illustrations in Oz's textbooks both for his first edition of his textbook and then also for the second edition of his textbook. And then along with with pointing to those particular illustrations, in addition to the captions that Oz has supplied, uh, we also have some commentary that ties that illustration into what we are talking about in our textbook. So Oz's textbook for us is is sort of supplementary reading. It's purely optional. Our textbook stands on its own, but it is an extra enrichment opportunity in learning seismic processing. Another thought that comes to my mind is that while our textbook is designed for individuals who know nothing about seismic processing, in fact, I I wrote it for myself as a person who came into this field knowing nothing about seismic processing, so I'd wish that such a textbook were available, so I, I wrote it for my very past self. Also, for the for the more experienced processor, who ideally is working intimately with uh, interpreters, our textbook gives another way of describing what's going on in seismic processing to the seismic interpreters, and does it in a visual fashion, which hopefully is something that the uh, seismic interpreter will then be able to incorporate in their own thinking. As you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, this is the book you kind of hoped you wanted as not someone uh, traditionally trained. So so how exactly did an astrophysicist find is your way into seismic processing? I was on the faculty at Michigan State University, and I was one of the first to automate an observatory. 
it was Michigan's very cloudy, so therefore we needed to automate the observatory in order to get data on the very few days that it was not cloudy. We used a Raytheon computer at that time, and Raytheon Corporation also had a uh, seismic contractor. So when I decided to leave academia, I then called up my contacts at Raytheon and deciding that I wanted to go into geophysics. I called up my contacts and said, do you know of, in, in the Raytheon computer company, do you, do you have anyone you know of that is in the seismic business? Just happened that one of their seismic salesmen had just transferred to uh, Raytheon computer. And he was told to open up his black book. And I was given three names to cold call. One of them being to a manager at Conoco, who then asked me the very reasonable question, well, why do you want to come to seismic processing and not to research? And my answer was, as an astrophysicist, my observation that the people who made great contributions in astrophysics were those people who stood where the data was flowing, people at that time at the observatories. And it was my understanding that seismic processing had lots of data. So this manager said, can you come down next weekend for an interview? And that was it. Huh, that's, uh, that's wonderful. And it's nice that you understood kind of where your interests were in astrophysicists and how that could, could relate to seismic processing. Yeah, I, I'm curious, who do you hope, you know, picks up and reads these books? I hope that a lot of different people do, those who, who are students. The book has been influenced by my teaching the uh, processing course at Colorado School of Mines and also at University of Houston, and also through teaching through the SEG to industry people. I hope that both geologists and geophysicists pick it up. I hope that the, between the two volumes, we have about 2,000 illustrations. <laughs> so it's very much a picture book. So I hope that uh, people are able to look it over. Andreas and I very much wanted to have the book be affordable, and the SEG worked with us on that, for which I'm very grateful. So I, I consider for a full-color book, it's quite affordable, especially for SEG members and student members at uh, $40 a copy. Yeah, and these, these aren't quite the... Uh the tomes of uh, Ozio Maza's seismic data analysis. They're, they're full of great information, but they're also kind of digestible uh, books, I would say, as well, which is which is nice. I view our textbook as being for the neophyte and those who want additional insight. And I view Oz as, as being the ultimate reference book. That's, that's a good way to put it there. And, you know, kind of, please finish this sentence or kind of, inject in the middle of this sentence here. When management understands this about seismic processing, it will... Ah, it's easy for management to take a relatively simplistic view of seismic data, viewing it as the picture of the subsurface. And when management understands that what you pay for is what you get, to try to improve the accuracy of that subsurface, that their exploration odds will be improved. How do you like that for a completion of your sentence? <laughs> that is a that is a perfect clip there. I, I I like it a lot. You know, 
you've had a, a a long and varied career, you know, not even as a geophysicist, but starting as an astrophysicist and clearly are just very reflective and knowledgeable about your field. What is one piece of advice you would offer someone looking to succeed, uh, maybe not even just as a geophysicist, but just in your in your career as a scientist uh, that that you would offer them to help them out? You know what I sometimes hear from people of my generation and my age is do what you love. And I, I twist that a little bit to say that when you get to critical mass in many things that are consistent with your talents, you will love it. So don't be, don't be constrained by the first love. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer there. You know, Steve, is there, is there anything uh, that you would like to add to this conversation that we've been having today? Yeah, this book would not have been possible without Andreas Ruger's enthusiasm, help, insight, etc. I owe a lot, and this book owes a lot, to the SEG employee, Susan Stamm, who read every word more than once to make sure it was intelligible. Liam O'Sullivan is also is the volume editor of the book, and he read it through and had some great insights. Of course, I thank Conoco, now Conoco Phillips, for permission to uh, show their uh, examples. Huge thanks to all the SCG authors who have taught me so much, uh, and some of whom I have then taken their publications and uh, put them into the textbooks. And of course, my wife, Eleanor. Well, it, it definitely takes a lot to put put together a book. You've been been working on this for decades now, so thanks for your uh, perseverance and and providing this to the the greater scientific community. Thank you. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show. Please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to the website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all the episodes and learn how you can subscribe for free directly on your phone. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bacomjian, Jennifer Crockett, Ali McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.